the T-minus three-minute mark. Tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. This is WOMM LP operating out of Billington, Vermont, 105.9 The Radiator. Good evening, it's The Rocket Shop. I'm your host, Tom Proctor, and with me tonight is Dino Bravo and Ray Padgett. Hello. Hey. What's up? I just want to uh, make clear that it's not Dino Bravo and Ray Padgett is in all one band. It's the <laughs> band Dino Bravo and the journalist Ray Padgett. So, hello. Good. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you doing? I'm Thanks pretty good. Us. Pardon? Thanks for having us, man. Oh, no. Honestly, any time. Plus, uh, after it's taken so many years to, to, to get this album out of yours that's just been released, um, I would expect nothing less than you guys to be coming onto the Rocket Shop. <laughs> so, really appreciate you coming in. Yeah. Um, we always like kicking it off with a song, so um, I'm hoping this one's going to be on from the new album. Yeah, yeah, we'll play the first track off the album. Uh, right now, it's called The Aerialists. I have to stand up and play it real quick. No worries.
That was the Aerialist by Dino Bravo of the new album, Blind by Midnight. So, uh, so guys, tell me a little bit about the the record itself. You, as you were talking a bit, a, a little bit during the the song, you formed in 2011, uh, debut album 2019. That's right. T- tell me about everything from concept to completion on this album. Um, mostly, we were, um, yeah, I guess we were starting to get a little stagnant. Um, and we get together every Monday around the corner here at Green Door Studio, and it kind of started turning into more of a hang. Um, smoking weed and talking <laughs> about other bands in town, yeah, behind their backs and um, viciously, viciously. Was it like a mean girl uh, situation? You guys just like making a burn buck and yeah, yeah, that's right. Spreading rumors. No like secret notes. Mostly we um we went into um a robot dog studio, um where we recorded the album. We went in there to do a radio show with Tim Lewis, and um got to know Ryan a little better, uh, Ryan Cohen, and uh, felt really comfortable there. Felt comfortable with him, and we decided. Christ, it's probably time to put something out, you know. <laughs> so it's you know it's, it's a six song record. Um, five of the songs we've been playing for the for years. That one we just heard is one of the newer ones that Chris wrote, and uh, just went in there and banged it out in one day. <clears throat> um, did some vocals at our buddy David's house, and, uh, and then it got mixed, and there it was on Bandcap. So, so we're pretty proud of it. We think it sounds pretty good. Ryan did a great job, and so Dave, David did as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to Dave. It's, it's super tight, and I mean, that's to be expected. All you guys have various bands around town. You're no strangers yeah. to recording studios or, or being musicians or just getting things done quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, how did you pick the, the six songs that were going to be on there? Because, I mean, after you, you, you existed for more years than there are songs, so I feel right. it's probably more of a back catalogue out there right. of tracks you know. So how did you guys whittle it down to these six? Not easily. Um, at first, you know, I think it was just because we had waited so long to, to make one, we had all this kind of stuff sitting here. And we were in this weird position where we had gotten a little a little tired, you know, because we've been playing them live for so many years that we didn't really know how to interact with some of the tunes anymore. And um, so it kind of started as this idea of, like, this will be how we put them to bed. Uh, but then, like, kind of recording them, we... We started liking him again. <laughs> so so yeah, I went with that idea. Um, so I don't know. I don't really... I, a couple of them picked themselves pretty easily. But there was a couple. I, there's like one or two that I think could have made it on, you know. Um, but yeah, these were like... I don't know. They, they, these just had the better flow. You know, Perry handles all the set lists. So That's he, right. He handles this, you know. I feel like the, a couple of them were just songs that we knew we could play in our sleep. And I think a couple of them were songs we thought were popping pretty well live around that time. Um, so we just kind of went with that. And um, the idea floating around now is that we'll do another thing like almost exactly like this next year and like a new song and maybe like five more of the old ones. And then really, uh, you know, and then year three, do another one with all new music, kind of make it a trilogy. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's kind of what we're thinking right now. We think about a lot of stuff though. So, yeah. Best things come in threes. That's right. Yeah. Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars. The first the three, three Police Academy, but none after. Alvin, <laughs> yeah. Simon, Theodore. <laughs> exactly. Snap, yeah. crackle, snap, crackle, pop. Right. So, yeah. Those guys are great. Uh, any number above three actually is is it's usually pretty terrible. It's too much, which, which is why we never uh, made Jeff an official member of the band. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I played all the drums on the album. <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. I no, played, you didn't. Just, I just want to be honest. We're out here on the radio. We're live, and no one can lie anymore. 
I played all the drums so on this the record. So the FEC regulation is, you know, yeah. that's why in the radio. You're not allowed that's to lie right. on the radio. I have yeah. to be honest. I played every <laughs> drum beat on this record, and Jeff wasn't even there. Wait, is it a bit, a bit, a bit like a Beatles scenario where it's actually Ringo play? Uh, sorry, it's actually Paul or uh, Paul did, yes, John. Right. What did Paul drumming. play drums on again? All sorts of stuff. He had USSR, right? Back in USSR. Was that Paul? I played drums on the White Album. There you go. <laughs> right, I like that you're in here as kind of like the the music historian on this one. <laughs> it's not often that I see Chris refer to someone else in terms of knowledge of music. Yeah. So this is Ray comes on bec- whenever I start lying horribly <laughs> about I'm what I've done on records. <laughs> I didn't play any of the drums on the album. <laughs> I'm not even sure his guitar was plugged in when I saw them live, frankly. Uh, it's, it's a little bit like giving a little brother the controller. That's what they do with Chris. They just give him give him an unplugged instrument and let him strum to himself. If, if they run out of Ridlin, they're like, You just like, want to oh, keep him God. occupied, you know? Yeah. Before I do anything. Um, Ray, you, uh, you wrote about this album. Um, got some great quotes from it. For example... Um, uh, Chris's explanation of the the band being fiercely unambitious, uh, <laughs> which was uh, which I thought was a fantastic quote. Um, what was what was your first take of the album? And knowing Dino Bravo, what did you expect them to record? And and how did that meet your expectations with or not meet your expectations with what they actually produced? Well, so I, having only actually moved here six months ago, I my relationship to Vermont music is almost entirely through recorded Vermont music, which means that Dino Bravo was one of those names I knew existed. I think maybe I'd seen him at Waking Windows once or something, but like basically I didn't know much, and I saw him once or twice, um, and they were, you know, fantastic live, that when I realized that they had been together for quite so many years without having recorded an album, I was, I was kind of stunned, but it seems like it was worth the wait. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a sort of, you know great uh, classic rock-inspired bangers that, like, guitar solos everywhere, great lyrics. You know, one one member's referencing Thin Lizzy and others referencing My Morning Jacket. So, um, yeah, it was kind of, it, it was perfect, I guess, for me, because by the time I really knew who they were, bam, they had an album out. So, it, for me, it wasn't eight <laughs> years. <laughs> we waited for Ray to move back. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. just to be, uh, to, to let listeners know, Ray is the owner and writer of, of County Tracks, so if you've uh, ever liked a Vermont musician or been a Vermont musician, which accounts for like 75% of Vermont, yeah. uh, Ray's probably written about you at some point. Uh, and you do have a, a fantastic... I mean, it's, it's been going for a, for a number of years right now, and can I get that clear? You, you're living outside of Vermont for a long time, or are you literally... This is the first time you've so started living here. Yeah, no, I was living away for quite a while. I So basically, I lived here for only a year, like five years ago, just long enough to sort of get very into the local music scene. Um, and then sort of we had to move away for, you know, work, the, the, the day job. and But I was still following it remotely. You know, I was still reading about it on Bandcamp and listening to what I could. And so I've, for many years, run another blog on cover songs. And so my sort of impulse is if I'm paying attention to something in music, I want to write about it. So, because I couldn't actually see any of these bands live or go to shows or anything, I was like, well, at least I can sort of write a blog, and the angle was sort of by an outsider for outsiders. So up until, like I said, six months ago, County Tracks, has, its entire existence has been run by a guy living in Brooklyn, but about exclusively Vermont-based musicians. Now you're one of us. Yeah, now I'm here. Um, so, you, did you grow up here? No, no, I went to school nearby, um, so that's kind of how Burlington was the closest town that had, like, concerts and record stores so i came here a lot and that's kind of how i i first fell in love with the the area what is it about vermont bands and musicians that kind of drive you to to write about them because you're living in brooklyn i mean 
it's a pretty I've heard so I've heard such a pretty big hub when it comes we're to better strokes, though, right? we're, we're better than the strokes though right we're better than the strokes we're better than the strokes I mean no no one's doubting that I mean I'm pretty sure uh, they said themselves yeah. <laughs> sorry I heard I heard yeah I heard there were one or two bands based in Brooklyn um, <laughs> no I mean in a way Burlington has a music scene in the in a way Brooklyn doesn't, meaning that like because a city like New York is so big and sprawling, there's not really a music scene. There's a million little music scenes, but they're all kind of their weird little little, little niches. Whereas Burlington, I kind of you know the bands I think are fantastic, but also just the environment um, for music is really strong. Partly because it's you know somewhat isolated, so of course you have bands in different genres collaborating, working together. Everyone knows each other, um, you know, and people tend to support each other because you know it's a ways away. To get a to get to a big city, whereas New York, everyone's coming and going. It, nothing really uh, coalesces in the same sort of way. So, is it you saying that Burlington music then has a unique sound because of the the amount of collaboration and the cross pollination that's that's been going on? I don't know about unique, but in terms of my experience, you know, living only in sort of these very big cities, um, you know, there's plenty of collaboration. But I've just noticed that I do think there is some something special about a, smi a smaller city where it is somewhat isolated and sort of people do, you know, work together, know each other, hang out in a way that if you have a million different scenes, people are more likely to, you know, stay in their metal scene or their mm -hmm. folk scene or whatever, and you probably won't get those unexpected um, meetings and uh, people making music together you might not expect to. Mm. Um, and um, back to Dino Bravo. Um, as, as Ray kind of pointed out, each song that you've got on your new album seems to point to a musician. You guys are like me meta musicians, really. Yeah. Uh, the whole album's a bit of an ode to your favourite songs. Uh, was that a big part of how you picked your tracks, or is, is every Dino Bravo song in some way referencing another band or musician? Super meta. Yeah, no, that, that's just something that happened, I think. Um, we, we do, um, as Ray said in the, in the article, where our influences on our sleeves um, almost through fault sometimes. Um, it just happened to be the group of songs we picked were a little more specific. Um, we didn't really, I didn't think about it when we put the track list together. Yeah. That's just kind of the way it happened. Um, and I was like, oh, this song and this song make the same reference, and then he makes a reference, and then um, the song Strawberry Blonde that Josh Shedekin wrote, our bass player, that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very Thin Lizzy-esque. Um, but I, not all of our songs are like that, I don't think. No. And it was not on purpose. Yeah. It just happened to be. Yeah. I do think some of it slipped in because there, there is a, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's no secret. Like, rock and roll become, is becoming more and more of a frontier thing. You know, it's not, rock's not pop anymore, and it hasn't been for a while. Um, and I think you can, if you start, like, we don't view ourselves as doing anything on that. Like, we just play what we know how to play. That's, we we don't really know how to play anything else. But rock and roll is kind of a, a little bit more on the outskirts these days. So you, get, I think there is a sort of fierce... It's like being in a club now more than it used to be in some way. And, and you 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 want to shout out like what's great about it sometimes. Because maybe people didn't used to ask you what's so great about it. And now you're like, well, <laughs> well let me tell you. Really loudly. <laughs> so I think part of... Like maybe that's got in the subconscious. And I think that's... Why we we you know we wrote about these things because we were writing about life events like you know the song that that references my morning jacket is actually about Perry having this big kind of life event around where that's just a thing in the background and you know we stepped back as a band to realize 
I don't know if I realize, but to see like, oh, wow, these are important things in our lives. It's important. Like I'm, I'm having this big moment while this is playing, you know. So I think it's more the acknowledge of the effect of it than it is the actual the, the band, other than Weird Al. This music is our favorite thing in the world, and the bands we love, we love passionately, and there's no way it doesn't bleed through, I don't think. Rami Ray busted us. Yeah. Other than that, we were got outed. Ray called me up, and he's like, that guitar solo, I know what that's from, and I was like, shut up, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> it, took me, it took me a few listens. I was like, it sounds really familiar. I know this song. You write about this in your blog. You're going to get a cease and desist letter through the post any day now. And then we got a lawyer. He's, he's good. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, I'd love to hear another track. Yeah. So, yeah. what have you got for us? Uh, you heard enough? Sure. You talk about it. Okay. Yeah, do you want to give us a quick blurb to the song? Uh, you've heard enough is basically about um, you swear on this vehicle. Uh, let's, let's try and keep it. Try PG not to. Okay. Um, this is about like this is about getting stuck in a spot, becoming sick of yourself, and then having the paranoia that just about everyone in your life must be sick of your horseradish um, because <laughs> you're sick of your own horseradish and kind of dealing with that in a downtime on a day off from everything just sitting home self-loathing um, and uh, trying to bring yourself up from that I'm so tired every day I can't find the words to say You still have a silver tongue But these days I'm not so young I could stumble through a story Of my twenties and my glory But my brains have been beat up From when I didn't feel the fun
That was You've Heard Enough by Dino Bravo. And uh, we were having a bit of a conversation during the break here about um, a few of Chris's other bands. So, Chris, uh, who, who else do you play for, for the, for the listeners? I'm in Zeus Springsteen as well, uh, as is Josh, our, our bass player. So two, two out of the four Dino Bravos are in Zeus. Um, and, you know. Perry, do you, do you play with other bands as well? Ah, uh, no, not currently. Well, I, I do play with uh, everybody's favorite Irish drinking song band. <clears throat> um, once a year we, band. Yeah, once a year band. We play on St. Patrick's Day. We sing drinking songs and throw potatoes at the audience. Oh, that sounds amazing. As, as yeah, it's pretty Irish good. person, it's incredibly insulting. Yeah, <laughs> that's the point. That's, that is, Get out of my country. <laughs> you build a wall around Ireland. Yeah. It is quite racist if yeah. you yeah. think about it. Everyone that's accepts it with the Irish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> too drunk to care. Um, wow. So, yeah, Chris, um, in terms of the the kind of the way that you play with Zeus and the way you play with Dino, what what... what creatively do you look for when you, you sit down and you play with Dino and what creatively are you looking for when you go with Zeus? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, right off the bat, one, one thing is different is that you have the other songwriters, are, you know, like writing and playing with Perry and the songs that Perry writes is very different than playing on like songs that David writes. Um, and even like when we, when either band plays songs I write, it's just different. I think with Bravo, it's, there is just kind of this, I, don't know, I was gonna say unspoken, but I think we speak it a lot. Actually, there's, there's just like a dedicated. We're we're like we're trying to rock really hard. <laughs> we like rocking really hard. It feels it's it's kind of like it's just part of the energy of the band. It's a really big sort of it's it's I can get all my Zeppelin licks out that I wanted as a kid, you know. And it's it's really great. Um, Zeus is a trio, and it's a lot like there's a lot more space. Like playing with Perry. Perry's uh, uh, like uh, he's kind of. A, a very kind handsome. of hard. He's very handsome. <laughs> El Guapo. Um, he's very handsome, and he distracts me when we play, and when we go on the radio. Shining aura. I, I think about his beard a lot. Answer the question. <laughs> Playing with Perry is different because he he takes up a lot of space. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Musically. Oh man. Musically, there's there's a lot of guitar, and I have to I play with another guitar player in this band, and it's very different. Is there a competition then? Are you two trying to kind of outplay each other? Only on the drums. <laughs> and I'm better, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I played all the drums on this record. I'm doubling down. Stop it. Jeff is a great drummer. He is. Um, and we love him very much. I wish he had played on this album. <laughs> I guess he's in the band now, isn't he? He's in the band. Yeah. Gone from a trio to a quartet. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just different. Uh, Zeus is, there's a lot of, there's like a lot of space and, and you got to fill it up. And, and Dino is a lot more like just trying, like you can do, you can, I don't know, you can do cool stuff. I can, I can mirror his vocal melodies and stuff because I know he's playing the rhythm and it, you can do all these old cool rock and roll. I mean that, the song that Shetty wrote, Strawberry Blonde, like. Perry and I get to do these these harmony guitars, and it's it's a lot of fun to like do all that Thin Lizzy stuff, and I don't get to, I don't get to do that and other stuff. So how do you how do the two bands differ live? What what are you trying to deliver to an audience? What's the message that you're delivering to an audience with with each band? We're funnier, I think. Well, yeah, yeah. There's there, <laughs> like, Bravo's funnier. Seeing Bravo, there's actually stage presence, <laughs> you know, because Perry Perry's Perry's so good. He, he is like. You, when you see and like for people who've been seeing music in Burlington for a while this has been a, a presence we've all been in bands since since the early 2000s but if you remember like the lessons in Party Star like Perry's is a just uh, it's a big personality and, and he's a really it's a when you see him on stage like it's you want to pay attention to what he says when it's Zeus 
it's like um, I remember like when people used to criticize the Eagles for many things. They they'd say they loiter on stage because they just don't do anything. They just stand there and play their music, and to some degree, that's probably what Zeus does. But Zeus is um, three guys who are masters at their craft, and I, I go see them whenever I can. They're one of my favorite local bands. One of my favorite bands. Um, and, and watching David, he's a drummer, and he also sings. And he's just so good at both at the same time. And, and Shetty is, is sick on the bass. He's ill. He's also... He's physically ill He's physically right ill, which is why he's not here. He's not on the show. Um, and Chris is just wonderful. And um, their music speaks for, them, for itself, so they don't need the, uh, the jokes. <laughs> they, don't, they don't need the jokes. <laughs> And I need the jokes. <laughs> I gotta have the jokes. <laughs> Give me the jokes. Yeah. It's just and like, but Bravo is more about like there's there's a there's like a fun, there's an aspect of fun, and you know I think we balance out their songs about party rocking, and then their songs about what the party rocking does to you. So it's not good. It's not good is the answer. <laughs> not good. We're dying. Yep. With the uh, with the new new album Blind by Midnight, um, you you do all seem to have at least one song that you have written, each person in the band. Except not Jeff. Jeff. Not well, <laughs> he, he's not in the he's not the band though. So <laughs> no, he is now as of a couple weeks ago. And he's very important to the band. Yeah, he's uh, a wonderful human. Wonderful drummer. And human. He probably he doesn't even know this is happening right now. I bet. I bet Jeff has no clue we're on the radio right yeah. now. Even him? though we've told him like five times. We told him. We did. Yeah. We were like, Jeff, we're he has no idea. Wednesday, meet us at Green Door. And he's like, cool, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. We're going to go on a Monday and be like, yeah, we're, when are we on the radio? <laughs> That's what's going to happen. What? Yeah. He's, probably, he's a lovely he's man. We love him very much. right now with a single tear rolling down. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, so was that, again, was that an intentional idea? And, and kind of the follow-up question to that is how... Uh, do each of you differ in terms of bringing new songs and new ideas to the band? Um, for me, I will bring, bring pieces. I'll bring a riff, and or even just a. I'll start with um, a vocal melody and, and write a riff around that, and then I'll come in with kind of A B A B A B, and I'll be like, you know, Chris Shetty, get that, you know, fix it, make make the C, make the bridge, um, and then Shetty put down his wonderful harmonies, his great singer, yeah, um, which really adds texture to the band, and it's just. More of like a skeleton of a song that I personally that I bring, um, and and then I have my wonderful musician good friends like make it ten times better. Um, Chris is kind of, Chris similar, I believe. Um, when you bring a song to the band, it's a little more structured probably than what I bring to the band. Yeah. Shetty's is very structured. Shetty has yeah, he has charts and uh, all sorts is of he, stuff going he, on. Composed it all already. And yeah, yeah. Exactly yeah. Where you're he's like, I've, here's your solo, and you're like, oh. yeah. <laughs> that, that's just the way he works, and that's what makes him great too. Um, he's uh, he's a uh, he, well, he's 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 a brilliant dude, and um, he's very good at like everything in music, mm -hmm. like anything I have wrong, whether it's a song or my guitar or my amp or like what should I do here. It's I just I call him my song doctor. Is he a bit a bit Brian Wilson esque, where he's kind of placing you around the room and making sure you. Yeah, Close up to the microphone and um, what? No, no, he's not that. He's not not too bad like that. It's just more like with with the the structure. He's very architectural about his songs. Um, you know, I think when you know what what I when we bring in songs, it's a bit more like okay, this is an A. It should go do 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 do, and like yeah. that's that's as much direction as you get from us because yeah, Winnie Winnie Andrews yeah. yeah. Well, also like when when you when you play with somebody like Josh. Like I'm not gonna tell Josh what to play on bass. He's fabulous. So it's like, 
and that hasn't always been my experience in bands when I was younger. Like there was a lot of, if you felt like you, I don't know about other people. Like I don't like the the concept of being like the alpha musician, the guy who's like, okay, you know, like you just, I like the idea of everybody plugging in and then you get that person's personality. Cause that's, that's what makes it, it really good. Um, but if you have somebody like Josh, you really don't have to worry about it and you can just be like, cool, there you go. But Josh is much more, he's got, you know, he, he's uh, a little bit, yeah, just more take us about that kind of stuff, um, which does slow the process down. So I can pip him by writing more because he's taking so damn long to write out my own parts. <laughs> so I can, I can just do like, well, this one's just A to B, dude. Um, so yeah, um, I know this, this, the difference in songwriting process is, is with Bravo is good because it, that way you can kind of pass a baton if somebody's you know just not having one then someone else will have one and and it, it picks up nicely and i follow a really strict procedure of uh, uh i make sure uh i i go through a terrible breakup and that way i can write a song and then about a year later i'll do it again yeah and it's just it's repeats you know so really you break it just sa it's sacrificial for the music sake yeah i'd say it I'd actually say it says it on his tinder bio it's right on there it's like <laughs> he's very honest about it 365 days and then I need you to dump me. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I can do it too, but the songs won't be as good if I do it. I need... The love of God, I'm running out of material. Yeah, please. <laughs> the different styles of songwriting is what is why, like, some of the songs, like, you can tell they're written by different people on the album because sometimes it'll take us six months to get a song where we want it to be and sometimes we'll be making a joke about something and write a song about it and it's done in four minutes. Yeah. Um, Chuck Berry. Yeah, we have a song called Chuck Berry. This is just about him putting cameras in the women's room of his restaurants, and it's just repeating the same. People need to know. Yeah, people need to know. Chuck Berry put cameras in his bathrooms. Okay, guys. Yeah, not he a good definitely man. put them there. He was not a cool dude. In fact, yeah. no one was. Anyone from the '60s or '70s or '80s, oh, or for a lot of the '90s, what's were what's pretty what's terrible. Wrong with Ringo. Ringo. Nothing's wrong with Ringo. With Ringo. Ringo's Ringo's the best. He's a Brexit sport. Is he? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Okay, but he's like really old. So now we can just be like, you know, it's okay, Ringo. Okay, Ringo. Okay, Ringo. Ringo, that's what everyone said to him for his entire life. He's Ringo. It's fine. He's harmless. Yeah. He likes octopus. Oh, I love that song. Um, and so going into going into the studio to to. Crank this album. Any any memorable moments in the actual recording of it? You were only in there a day, so you really packed it in. Um, but after after taking so, I, I keep banging on about this, but after taking so long it's to just, get there, um, yeah. How how was it when you were actually recording it? It was really easy for for me. I've I've I haven't had the best recording experiences in the past, and uh, it it really gives me anxiety like going into a studio. But the way um. Ryan, with just the way Ryan is, the way he talks to you, just the setup of the place. He has this wonderful dog named Robot, and um, awesome. the dog rules. Um, and it it was just so easy, and we recorded live, so just all the instruments at the same time, and then did overdub the vocals and solos later, and it just seemed like it went by like that. We do like four takes on each song, just pick the best one, and Ryan just took it and made it sound like Dino Bravo, like he 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 know he just knew what to do and yeah. we were just so happy with what he did and, and thankful for him and you've been to a lot of your live shows did you know what you were the, the presence you brought in a live set and you put that on the track or was it he kind of made you sound like what you think you sound like 
Or is it by a bug? He's seen us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he he's actually, seen us. I think he technically played with us a couple years ago. He used to be in the Phantom Sons. Yeah, I know. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. I, I think I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he knows. He, the fat check is over here. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> he knows what our sound is like. And like I said, we were in there doing, we did a, like a live radio show in, in his studio before that, uh, about a year before that, I guess. Yeah, which was hugely important because that, that I think, got that monkey off our back a bit about the stress of the studio. Yeah. Um, because it was, it was really good. It was, it was really good. Um, and the, the more, the more, Dino trends towards live, the better for us. That's what we're built to be. You know, we're not, we're not going to sit here. I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I don't see us making like some album where all of a sudden we all come up with synths and like everyone's, you know, programming beats and stuff. Never say never. I won't. I won't. I mean, it'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. Jeff would kill himself. Yeah. But it would, but I just, I, I think it's, we know what we are. And I think Ray, uh, <laughs> and Ray does as well. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan did as well, and he recorded us as such. But we also did, we, we didn't, we, I think we handled it very intelligently in the sense that we, we went one day to do all the basics, which was good, and we had, we had a good day. Because uh, the most important thing when you do that is your drums. That's how you get your drums down, and Jeff had a great day. Jeff just killed the drums. It was wonderful. So then we did uh, vocals and most of the guitar solos at uh, David from Zeus has a home studio, and we did it there. And that kind of... I think having the two things really, you have Ryan who just knows how to, I mean, he's just such a good producer anyway, but he really got a great sound out of us live. And then we were able to do these overdubs in a really like super laid back fashion, you know? Um, and I think it helped. He did a great job. And, um, and I hear you the, the release party was mid November mm -hmm. and you got a lot of other local bands to come like support. Um, you want to tell me a little bit about the the evening itself and and who got to go and, and Ray did you did you manage to get to the I was there it was great there? uh then it was packed they they filled the place they threw in an oasis cover yes we did uh, a, a crowd pleaser for you, for you. <laughs> oh. yeah. we knew you wouldn't come so we're like we're gonna yeah. play the only band from Manchester that I can think of <laughs> we got we got a few yeah that's Madchester. Madchester. <laughs> no, we played a song for Tom and he refused to come. I was texting him, we're gonna play Oasis yeah, in five true. minutes. Oh, totally. he, was, he, he told me no. no. It. it was it was pretty pretty good. It was uh, but but they played their whole album and then a whole bunch of other stuff, as you said. They have uh, they've got enough, uh, as far as I can tell, for two or three more albums at this point. Um, so hopefully they'll knock them out pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Quicker than uh, the current rate. <laughs> Uh, Ray, now you're now you're in Vermont. Um, are you are you just packing your schedule with as many live acts as you can find? Um, now you can actually see them in the flesh. Yeah, it's kind of like catch up um, for me of all these people I've you know paid attention to for the last two or three years. My pretty much only time I got to Vermont every year was Waking Windows, and so I was you know like super obsessive getting there right when it opened and you know seeing like fifty or sixty bands over the course of a weekend and you know trying to run. Um, and so now it's kind of nice, like all the um, bands who didn't play there, or you know who I would miss. Um, I can I can catch up catch up on them. Like they've got this thing at Arts Riot just this uh, I think this coming weekend where like there's 20 bands. Play, yeah. You know that's great. That's the sort of thing I've always you know I follow these people on Facebook. I've always seen these cool Burlington things happening and never actually been able to participate. So I've definitely been uh, making up for lost time. I think. This dude goes to a lot of shows. <laughs> I get I get paid to go to him. He goes to more than me. <laughs> do you, uh, do people know you? Do the bands know you? They're like, oh, that's right. He he reviewed 
four of our albums. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I keep getting that. The thing I keep hearing is, oh, you're the guy. Because <laughs> people know me via email for most of the things I write. I will interview at least over, you know, ask a few questions via email. So I know everyone via email, and, you know, people tend to Facebook friend you. So I'm Facebook friends with people. But I, I actually did know very few people in person. And now it's just over and over again. I meet someone at a show and like, oh, we've been emailing for three years. <laughs> I mean, that's what, never that's what we, like, we, that, that's yeah. how me and Chris met. We emailed for about the Zeus Springsteen record, which was like two years ago or so. I'd, yeah. I'd never met him until until I moved up here. When you're D- disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> it was a letdown, honestly. Big letdown. You're like, oh, I thought you guys were going to be attractive. <laughs> I had that, uh, oh, you're the guy moment about an hour ago. Yeah. With, with, with Ray, so. Yeah, right. We just right here. Yeah. It's happening. Um, I'll be honest with you, Ray. Uh, it, thanks to the county tracks, I've had managed to have uh, more success rate with these interviews than, than not because you've provided me with most oh, of my yeah. research. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I'm happy to oblige. It's hu- it's hugely important to uh, the, the the local scene to have. I mean, you know, like, as Big Heavy World's been such an important thing to the scene for so long, you know, this is... Everything here is is essentially DIY. There's... there's it's no secret. Like, there's just there's no money here for for music. So like, well, every, because everything goes to me. I, every I, time yeah. gets uh, all the money. That, I, that golden voice of yours. <laughs> um, but it's just so like it. Everything in this town, when it comes to the music scene, depends on labors of love. It depends on somebody g- giving a shit. And and thankfully, uh, Ray does right now. We'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, now you've actually become friends or know these people face to face. That. Enthusiasm might wane pretty quickly. Yeah, right. Once I get to know the personalities, it's all downhill. Yeah. <laughs> you see the labor of love album culminate and why Ray came up every year at Waking Windows is just a perfect example of that. It's like mm-hmm. people just caring so much and the people who run that just care so much about yeah. the local scene and stuff like that. Um, and Chris, you had some thoughts on Waking Windows? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, this is, and this is, I'm glad we got to this point of the interview. And um, jokes are over, guys. Jokes times are done. All right. This is the 10th anniversary of Waking Windows. And it's 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 a big one. Yep. It's, this is you know, uh, Bravo and Zeus have been uh, a lot of, a big part of many years. But really, it's not going to be if they don't book the right people to celebrate. Like, what's the point? And we're on the tenth one, so why not book Weird Al? We're going to need Weird Al. We need Weird Al. <laughs> I, I, and I, I, Brian, Allie, like yeah. I know you're listening. I know yeah. you are. I know you ignore my text about this. I've tagged on Instagram like five times. I tagged Weird Al on Instagram about this. I'm yeah. not even joking. Get I that did. change.org petition going. <laughs> Seriously, man. I don't know what Weird we Windows. Do. Weird Windows 10. That's what we need. We need Weird Al. It'll change everything. Yep. So, uh, so he's like, is, is, is the main headliner or are you going to stick him in like the only uh, artist. Monkey House? I don't think anyone else is the play. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put him in the monkey. would be great. How about, how about Scout and Co. at like 11 a.m. on Sunday? <laughs> Simon is accordion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do like five sets over the weekend at different spots. You know, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be great. It's just, that'd be but awesome. we're we're deadly serious about we're this. We're deadly serious. Yeah. Have, you, have you genuinely have you emailed him, tagged him in a post? I I have tagged him in a yes. post. Josh Shedeker went so far as to look online for how much it would cost to book Weird Al for a night. Do you know how much it would be? Uh, it was more than we thought. I don't remember it was exactly, but then we made sense. We're like, yeah, this guy has a lot of hits. But then <laughs> he's got a lot of he's hits. got a lot of hits. Um, but then, uh, at, I, I think I was at a Clever Girl show. I don't remember. I got I got lit at the Monkey in Cornered Alley, <laughs> and was really like, look, all the. I got really serious about all the reasons I thought it would be great, and I think she got really tired of me talking about it and started being nice about. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is the whitest musician 
known to mankind, which would suit the whitest audience known to mankind, which is the crowd at Waking Window. That's correct. I mean, it's that's that's not untrue. <laughs> I guess that's 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 true. Um, Called the Great White Rotary. The Great White Rotary. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. There goes Winiski's property value. <laughs> no, no, it's just gonna be all a bunch of white weird out fans. I he, I don't know. I don't think anyone's gonna book him. Right, with your connections, have you have you? Uh, I should. I, hand? I interviewed Weird Al for my last book. What? I forgot about this. So, oh yeah, come on. I've got, oh, well, I, I've got his phone number. I could. Uh... You got his phone number? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Can we live. call him Let's right now? Live. Let's do this live. Can we call him? Yes, I, I might need him for another interview. <laughs> for for information for for those listening, uh, Ray has written a, uh, a book, fabulous book, um, about cover tracks. Yeah, um, so it's an offshoot of this blog. I think I mentioned um, the book's called Cover Me, and it's sort of the history of cover songs as told through like 20 iconic covers, starting with Elvis, and at the time Adele was the most recent, a um, couple years old. But yeah, it's, I've sort of been passionate about cover songs for you know over a decade now, and it, it, so the, the blog's been going for that long, and the book kind of spun out of that. Um, is a, uh, from, the, from the research from the book, uh, you took 20 songs, could you give us uh, an interesting tidbit of of music trivia that maybe didn't make it into the book, or something you thought was really weird or interesting that we should know about? Sure. Um, there's there's a whole lot in the book, but I guess one of one of the things that I learned, you know, some of the some of the chapters I sort of knew at least the broad outlines of the story, and some of them I was kind of going in cold, except had some inkling that there was a cool story. And one of those was a uh, uh, midnight train to Georgia, which one little tidbit I learned is so first of all it was not originally called Midnight Train to Georgia it was originally called Midnight Plane to Houston and of all things the person who came up with that title was the actress Farrah Fawcett <laughs> because so the songwriter was friends with her husband um, and at one point he calls the husband um, or attempts to and Farrah picks up the phone so you know making small talk and He's like, well, where's, you know, where's your husband? He's like, oh, she, and, and she says, oh, yeah, he's leaving on a midnight plane to Houston. So he writes this whole song, Midnight Plane to Houston, puts it out. It does nothing. Um, <laughs> Why would it? But then, yeah. Who goes to Houston at midnight? Idiots. <laughs> it, it does nothing, but then Sissy Houston hears it. Um, she says, I want to cover this, but it seems weird to sing Midnight Plane to Houston when your last name is Houston. So, she co so she cha she's the one who changes it. She covers it. It does a little more, but still mostly nothing. Then, but then Gladys Knight hears the new, the new Midnight Train to Georgia, Sissy Houston's version, and covers it. And then so the so it took three tries for that one. So that's the sort of story I'm interested in, where these songs uh, don't hit on the first time, but maybe it takes two or three. Nice. Hmm. No idea. And uh, so you, you wouldn't have uh, interviewed Weird Al for mm -hmm. for this book, which makes sense, you know, because he is it's gonna happen. Literally now, created it? a career out of of doing his own covers. Um, was it was that one particular um, was was that one of the twenty songs that you covered was yeah. the Weird Al one? Yeah. So I sort of wanted to do two things with that chapter. One is talk about the diff the similarities and differences between cover songs and parodies. Um, my sort of elevator you know line about that is with a cover song you change the music and you keep the lyrics with a parody you change the lyrics and you keep the music. So it's similar in that way. But then as sort of the way in to talk about that, I also want I did uh, he does these polka covers. Which is these medleys, which are, that's the one like actual cover he does where he does change the music and keep the lyrics. So that was sort of the excuse. And then from there, I could talk about the difference and also some of the legal stuff in terms of how you clear a cover song, how you clear a parody. Um, you know, he's he has all sorts of you know business dealings that clearing these things is just endless amount of work. 
negotiating the money. And so, you know, I don't. It's not a book about the music business exactly, but that's an important side of cover songs, particularly from the musician's perspective. So I wanted to get a little bit about that, and and Weird Al offered sort of a fun way to do that. So are you confirming now that you are going to call him up for? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can definitely guarantee he'll be there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Write this down. Here first, exclusive, for big sure. world exclusive. <laughs> um, well, we've got about time for for our last track, last song uh, from the Dino Bravo album. Um, I would love to hear a bit of background about it, but any last thoughts on 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 your album? Is there anywhere that we can watch you play? Where What are you doing in the next few weeks? Um, in the next few weeks, we will be rehearsing on Mondays yeah and um, <laughs> yeah no we're, we're um we're gonna get going on 2020 here um we're we're gonna get a show at Charlie's here in the next month or two we just gotta iron out a date on that trying to get back to Nectar's real soon and always at the monkey house which is like our home base so we'll be at the monkey a lot um no hard dates yet but you can find us on the internet and we'll, we'll have some dates out real soon on that and um yeah you just got an Instagram page up as well I saw yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're we're late on everything, man. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're fiercely unambitious. We, really, yeah. we don't. <laughs> well, I, I, I hear fiercely unambitious, but being forced to become slightly more ambitious. It yeah, hap- yeah, it happened. It happened eventually. Just inertia. Yeah. I think to some degree. I th- also, I mean, kind of going to the gig thing. I, this is this is you know this isn't this. It takes a lot of effort to get this band moving, and in a good way because we all need to be in this state. So once it happens, and we get in the studio, and we do a record, we do a release show. Like the inevitable is that afterwards, it's like. Hmm, maybe not. Maybe not this week, right? Right. Well, chill out this week. Yeah. So we're still kind of in that patting our bellies phase from the record and the show. Get through the holidays, and then yeah, we'll be ready to go. We'll, we'll, hopefully, we'll be awakened windows as well. Um, again, I mean, as long as the Weird Al thing happens, if he's not there, obviously we, we can't. Right. We can't. I mean, the whole thing should be canceled. What? Well, yeah. It all, it all depends on Weird. Ways, yeah. We'll, we'll see what Al says. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot some stuff, and I'll see what's, what's going on. Yeah, we'll give him. We'll give him a call after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're on Instagram. Instagram handle is Dino Bravo VT. Uh, and Facebook? Same. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, and where can people find your album if they want to buy it? Bandcamp right now. Just go into Bandcamp. It's free if you like. You can pay us if you like. Um, and it's there. Uh, we're going to put it up on Spotify. I think we're trying to time it with Christmas. Yeah. So we're part of the Christmas season, and that way we're like Die Hard. Yeah. We become a Christmas movie on accident. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is get one of those songs on a Christmas playlist, and you that's know, right. somewhere I carry has made billions of dollars. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Um, and the last song we're going to play tonight, you want to give us a little bit of a blurb? Do pop music? Sure, sure. Talk about it. Um, pop music is, um, it just came up. <clears throat> I just came up with the melody for the chorus, and Shetty um, came up with the um, harmony for the chorus. Um, lyrically, this is again about, um, coming to terms with, um, getting older. Um, you know, we've all been, um, in bands in this town for, you know, about 20 years now. Um, so it's just kind of, the, the whole, the whole album is just kind of, um, like Chris said, it's a love letter to rock and roll and kind of like getting older in the scene. And this is just like kind of coming to terms with that again and, and just, and what are we going to do next and stuff like that um and it's also about kurt vile being better than bob dylan whoa just gonna leave that yeah, yeah. Right the end. <laughs> kurt vile is better than bob dylan
That was Dino Bravo, and also big thank you to Ray Padgett for coming on impromptu, so I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, this uh, we, Next week we have got Babe Hoven and Count... Um, is it Sleepers? Couch Sleepers. Sleepers. Yeah. I'm reading Couch Sleepers. I like that name. Yeah, it might just be a typo on the website, but we'll find we'll find out next week. Um, big thank you once again, Dino Bravo, and thank uh, you, Ray, for being on. Uh, I've been the host, Tom Proctor. This has been the Rocket Shop. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>